It is October the 13th, and we will be studying this morning out of the book of Leviticus chapter 4 regarding um, sin offerings. And the homework for the class last week was just to do some studying in that chapter and to see if we could come up with some information on sin offerings. And um, we ended last week's lesson with um, a little chart that broke down the, uh, the classification of people as far as priest, congregation, as far as the congregation of Israel as a whole, about the ruler, and also ordinary or common Israelites. That was the last chart, and the question was, according to Leviticus 4, what sacrifices were needed for sins of ignorance? Now, does anybody remember what a sin of ignorance was? Yeah. Yes, unintentional. You nailed it. You weren't, you didn't realize you were doing it. And it came to light after the fact, after you had committed it, either someone brought it to your attention or you obtained knowledge that, hey, what I just did was contrary to God's righteousness. Remember, we talked about what sin actually was, was whatever God said it was, number one, whatever his word says. Uh, But it was anything that was contrary to his righteousness. It was missing his mark or missing the mark, but it is his mark, what his uh, word outlines as uh, sin. So a sin of ignorance, you are exactly right. It was an unintentional without premeditation. It was just done and then it came to light. So that is what a sin offering would cover. And it depended on what level you were at in the group of people. So what did y'all find out was needed for the priest? What kind of sacrifice? What did they offer? Okay. She right? Is that what y'all all figured out? Okay, so a young bullet. Bull, same thing. Young bullet uh, with no blemish. Okay. Now, um, Jewish history says that this young bullock was probably around a year old. It was just coming into its usefulness in the herd. Up until this point, it was dependent upon its mother or upon the owner to help sustain it. But as it reached that age, it was pretty much able to function totally on its own and it would be useful for the owner if he was going to use it for uh, work of any kind. Carrying a burden, uh, pulling a cart, uh, plowing a field, you know, anything that they would have used an oxen for or a bull for, that would have been about the age. 
So that was from the priest. Now the next, and that is actually in uh, Leviticus chapter 8, when we're talking about the dedication of the temple, uh, it tells us that the priest, as far as for Aaron and his sons, were to offer a young bull without blemish. It also tells us that in Leviticus chapter 4, which was your homework this week, in verse 3. It says, If the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin, which he hath sinned, a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. So it tells us point blank right there. That's what you're supposed to bring. And do you notice how many times the word sin is used in that one scripture? If you do sin according to the sin, let him bring for his sin, which he hath sinned. And then it says for a sin offering. So there was no if, ands, or buts about if you have an unintentional sin and you are a priest and you comes to light and you now know that that was a sin, you are to bring a young bull with no blemish. Now the next category that is listed in that scripture is the congregation. Now this refers to the actual nation of Israel. It would have been a national, everybody committed the sin. The whole three million plus people. That's a big sin, isn't it? But remember now, this is a sin of ignorance. It wasn't done intentionally. It was something that was brought to their attention after the fact. Do you think that the sin with the golden calf would have fallen underneath this category? Was it unintentional? They planned it. They knew better. God had already told them, no. So that was not a sin of ignorance. A sin of ignorance could have been um, something that they were not aware of yet, that God had not been over everything with them as far... But what about work on the Sabbath? Would that have been an intentional sin? They had been told not to work, but they may not have gone into all of the details of what was considered too much work. Well, I accidentally picked this up and moved it from here to here, and it weighed more than it was supposed to, but I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. That would have been a sin of ignorance because it was something that you didn't know that had not come to light. So this was something that the nation as a whole would have been guilty of. Now, what, how was that to work? What were they supposed to bring? What did you find out? It was also, yes, a young bull. That is found in chapter 4, Leviticus chapter 4 and verses 13 and 14. And it says, and if the whole congregation of Israel, see that says that, whole congregation of Israel, sin through ignorance, and the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done, and they're guilty when the sin which they have sinned against is known. 
Then the congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin and bring him before the tabernacle of the congregation. So that it tells us it's done something against the commandment of the Lord, but it was unknown. And then they realize it, it comes to light, that's when they are to bring the young bullock. So the next category is the ruler. Now that word ruler right there, did anybody wonder who that actually was? Or did anybody look into who the ruler actually was? Didn't do that part. <laughs> what does it say? Okay. Okay. A kid of what? What kind of kid? Okay. A male. And you said goat. Yes. So the ruler was a prince. And I'm going to use that word there. It could be a leader. The word also could mean chief. Now, from what I learned is there were 12, at, at this point, there were 12 people that were considered in that position. The princes were one head of each tribe of Israel, and there were 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 sons. So, in the book of Numbers... When they are numbering the people, they list them all off as the prince or the leader of each tribe. So I'm assuming from reading that, that this could have applied to 12 people that were considered the rulers or the leaders of each one of the tribes of Israel. So I'm thinking there was probably 12 people that this would might have applied to. And you said it was a male Goat, kid, without blemish. So a goat kid is, is what? It's a young goat. Yeah, a young goat. So that's what it was. They were to bring a young male goat without blemish. And that is found in Leviticus chapter 4 and verses 22 and 23. And it says, When a ruler hath sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord his God concerning things which should not be done and is guilty, or if his sin wherein he hath sinned come to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish. So what about the ordinary Joe Blow Israelite? One of the commoners. What were they to bring? Okay. It, all right. So it was a female goat kid or young goat without blemish. So is that what everybody got? How'd you do? Yay, very good. 
All right, so that is found in the book uh, of Leviticus, the fourth chapter again, verses 27 and 28. And it says, if any one of the common people or the ordinary people sin through ignorance, while he doth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty, or if his sin which he hath sinned come to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a female without blemish for his sin, which he hath sinned. Now, did anybody come up with anything else for an ordinary or common people? Did you have just the goat? Uh, just, just that the priest shall burn it and um, atone their sins. Okay. Look down at verse 32 in chapter 4. And somebody read that for me. And if he bring a lamb for a sin offering, he shall bring it a female without blemish. So guess what? A commoner or an ordinary person could either offer a goat kid, a young goat, a female, or they could offer a lamb. Which was also a female. A female lamb without blemish. So they had a choice. They could do either a goat or a lamb. So a female lamb without blemish. Now what do all of these animals have in common? Young and without blemish. Now, I did not write without blemish on this, but I'll go back and fix that. So all of them were to be young, and they were to be without blemish. So what does it mean to be without blemish? Nothing on it. Could not be lame. Could not have hair missing. No warts. No bumps, no lumps. All of its legs had to be even. There could be nothing wrong with that animal. So once this information is given to the Israelites, how do you think they treated their animals when there was a new one born? Just say, we get a new goat kid. Very carefully, yes. They, I would imagine that they would inspect that animal upon its birth and note if there was anything wrong with it. And then would they put it separate? Keep it separate from the others? I don't know. Um, because back at the Passover... Back when they were in Israel and they were told to bring in a Passover lamb that they were going to kill, when they found one in their flock that was without spot or blemish, they actually brought it into their house and kept it for 15 days. I guess to make sure that nothing happened to it. Because if it got in a fight with something, if a uh, predator came along and tried to get it, all of a sudden, if it was in a fight or something, it could have 
something wrong with it at that point. So I would imagine that if there was one born that was absolutely perfect, that they could find nothing wrong with, that they actually coddled it or watched it. And, you know, for every one of them that was born, they, it, it was like they knew they would watch that one because this was something that they had to do. And we talked about last week how easy it was to sin out of ignorance because of things we don't know. It's just like if we're driving through somebody's town, just say you're on vacation and you're driving through some little town and uh, Barney Fife comes up behind you with blue lights on and they pull you over and you're going, what did I do? I don't know what I did. And the officer is going to come up and say, license is registration. And you might, out of your ignorance, ask the cop, uh, why did you, officer, why did you pull me over? I don't know what I was doing wrong. And he would say, well, you were doing 45 in a 35 or you were doing 50 in a 25 or something like that. And you could say, well, I'm not from here. I didn't realize that that was the speed limit. And do you know what that officer will tell you? <laughs> Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Because the sign somewhere, it's posted. You may not have seen it because you were looking, trying to figure out where you're supposed to go next. You could have been looking at scenery. You could have been talking to someone in the car. I'll never forget one time Ryan and I were going up to uh, Gatlinburg. It was, on, uh, it was actually on October 31st, probably about... I don't know, five or six years ago. And we were just driving up through Tennessee. You get up there uh, where there's the big, huge four-lane road. And, you know, we're just talking about what we're going to do when we get there. We're not paying any attention. Here comes Tennessee State Trooper up behind us. And uh, luckily, he told Ryan, he said, do you know what you were doing? No. And he clocked him at... 80 or something like that. I mean, we were just, we were just driving, you know, but it was, uh, he lowered it where it wouldn't be what you would consider a super speeder or anything. But he said, you really have to watch this road because even though it is four lanes and it has a big grass median in the middle, the speed limit goes from 35 to 55 or 45 at the drop of a hat. It just changes non, I mean, just up and down, the whole way up and down through there. And so after that, we really pay attention. Every time the speed limit will drop, I'll tell Ryan, um, hey, it just dropped to 35, just dropped to 45. Okay, now we're back to 55. You know, and I will, I'll watch it every time we go up and down through there because we know now. But even though we didn't know at the time, I mean, granted, we were still going too fast. Mm -hmm. Four lane, but it just you'd be going along and bam, it's done down, up, down, up. Some little hole in the wall mm -hmm. there, and they've dropped it. Yeah, yeah. There's another road down in South Georgia. If you go over towards, uh, if you're coming out of, are you going over towards Waycross? You come out of like. I don't know where it is, Tifton maybe, and you're driving across over towards like the Okefenokee Swamp and stuff. 
That's another little place where it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. And you really have to watch. But, you know, even though we were not paying attention, somebody else was. And he knew what it should be. And we were stopped and told we were doing wrong. That's what would happen in these situations for uh, these unintentional sins. We, liked, we don't want people to call our attention to things as Christians. You know, it says that you're not supposed to judge each other in the Word of God. But, you know, it also tells us that we are to be held accountable, especially once you are Christians. We cannot judge the world because they don't know. You know, it's not, we can't do that. But as Christians, we're supposed to look at each other and if we're not bearing fruit, in other words, if we're not showing forth Christian lives, and if we're doing things that are contrary to the Word of God, they could be ignorance on our part because we just don't know. But we're not just supposed to go up and point our finger in somebody's face and go, you know, and nag somebody. But in Christian love, Paul, all through his letters, um, instructs Christians within the body, within the fellowship, within the church, to admonish one another, to exhort one another, to teach one another. You know, how do you learn unless you have a teacher? Like Jeanette said this morning, a lot of times we read these scriptures and we just kind of gloss over things and we don't realize what they are because we're just reading. And there are times when we are stopped by a word that we might not know or there's something that pricks our spirit. But that's why it's so important to be underneath teaching and underneath preaching because it does expand on the word and it does open our eyes, open our hearts and open our minds to what God's intention is in His Word, so we will understand and know. But once these things come to light and we're aware of it, that's when we ask God for forgiveness. That was the whole idea of the sin offering was asking for forgiveness. Now, these were people that were in covenant with God. They were His chosen people, and yet in, unintentionally they would do things that were against God's righteousness, or it was sin in God's eyes. So they would have to ask for forgiveness. Now, if that is easy to do, which we kind of figured out, you know, a lot of times we're guilty of stuff like that. How many lambs and goats did they have to have to offer? Now, it's only unintentional one time. Once you know about it, Guess what? It's not done in ignorance anymore. We can't plead that anymore. Well, I did not know. You know, once you know, it's moved up a step. You know, God, I, I did it again. I goofed. Um, but still, I mean, you know, how many did they have to offer? How many sacrifices were there? How many flocks did these people have? But still, this was what was required of them. And if you notice, obviously a bull for a priest or out of... And I don't know where the bull would come out of the congregation. Somebody had to step forward and offer the bull for the congregation. If it was 
Israel as a whole. But it was like this was more important or of more value than a goat, a male goat. And a female goat or a female lamb were of less value. These people, based on what their position was, could offer no less than what was required of them. What meant, uh, what was of more value to them? A priest, you notice, had to do a bull. They could not offer a lamb. I don't know. But also with a priest, like we talked last week, if he sinned, he could bring down everyone. If the priest sinned and it was something that he did, it could cause this congregation as a whole to sin, which would require this offering. Just like if a preacher nowadays falls or sins, they can bring down their whole congregation. There is, with this calling of God, there is a, a, a high uh, price for that. We, we don't look at it that way a lot of times, but it, you're accountable unto God for your position and your calling. And I don't take lightly what I do in here as far as teaching. I'm like, God, don't let words come out of my mouth that shouldn't. Or if I say something, let me know to correct it if it's wrong, you know, because I'm held accountable for what I teach to you. And I don't want it to be misinformation or something that is wrong. I'll, I'll give you ideas from one spectrum to the other of what people say that it could be if it's not point blank, if there's a variance there. But... I want you to know that. I don't want you to take anything that I say, you know, study for yourself and hold me accountable as well. We are to do that for the ones over us in Christ, in the body and in the fellowship. But they had to give according to their position and according to their status, and they had to give their best. Remember, every one of them without blemish. Yeah. says to the congregation. Mm -hmm. But we're still held accountable for our sin though. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. And like you I said, if if say you're like well I blame it on the, the minister, you can't we can't do that. Mm -mm. I, we know Yeah. I don't think that we can stand before God. It'll be like when that officer pulls you over because you're speeding and going forty five in a thirty five. You know, ignorance is no excuse. Uh, I think God, I think He will have some tolerance on certain things depending on who the person is. I mean, He knows us. He knows our hearts. But I think there will be things that, you know, we get corrected on because we were not as um, diligent in studying or finding something out for ourselves. If there's ever anything when you're listening to preaching, it says we are to listen for sound doctrine. And especially in these last days, it says that people are going to come along and want to tickle your ears and tell you things, you know, that are not true. And that's why it's so important to check 
everything that you hear. Don't just take everything. You know, verbatim uh, as the truth. You know, study for yourself. Get into the Word. Ask God to reveal to you as well. If there's ever anything that you question, you know, make a note of it and ask. Study it yourself. Try to find out, you know, where your question is at or why you don't understand. It's important, I think, for us to know that because if we don't know God's Word and if we don't read God's Word, we'll fall for anything that somebody tells us. Um, It's like that in, uh, and unfortunately, with our news outlets today. You know, they'll tell you anything and they say, we need to fact check this. You hear that word all the time. You have to fact check what they say. And I've noticed even on my Facebook feed that there'll be a story posted and now all of a sudden there's a little box that comes up underneath it and it says fact check. And it'll be like, this is not true. And I'm like, okay, well, who is the fact checker that's checking that? Is this person that's checking it, are they trustworthy? You know, so it's, you know, people take things and they twist it and they make it to be the truth or to sound like the truth. But God's word tells us that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And we are told to study to show ourselves approved. So that's why we have to be familiar with His Word. We have to know His Word. We have to study His Word so that we won't have, um, you know, problems with, with what we hear. We'll know. And if it's not right, we can go click. I'm not listening to this because they're, they're off the wall. They're teaching something that's not right. Um, so that was way off of this. <laughs> But these, were, these in their offerings were to give the very best that they had to God. So, what else did you find out about um, sin of, of, uh, or the sin offering? Did anybody have more than just those categories and what they were to offer? Did anybody come up with anything else? Y'all were quiet. So let's look at step two. This is what was brought. This is what God laid out that each particular person was to bring for a sin of ignorance, an unintentional sin. So after the animal was brought, let's look at the next step. And let's look in the book of Leviticus. Let's start with, uh, in chapter 4, let's start with verse 4. And this is speaking of the priest. Leviticus 4 and 4. It's already told us what he is to bring, a young bullock with no blemish. And then it says, And he shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head. So that's what the priest was to do. They were to bring the bull there into the door of the tabernacle and they were to lay their hand upon the bullock's head. Now look down at verse 15. And this is speaking about the congregation, the next level there, the national, representing the entire 
nation of Israel. It says in verse 15, And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands upon the head of the bullock before the Lord. Now skip down to verse 24. This is for the rulers or the princes of the uh, tribes. It says, And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the goat. Skip down to verse 29. This is talking about the ordinary Israelite, the common people. And it says, And he shall lay his head upon the head of the sin offering. So they pick their animal. They have their uh, whatever it be, their bull, their goat, their lamb. Uh, they have brought it before the priest in the tabernacle or in the, at the uh, door of the, of the tabernacle. And it says when they get there, they present it to them and they lay their hand on the animal's head. Now that word there that's used for lay is a Hebrew word and it means more than just lightly placing your hand on it like this. It means you pressed on it. So you went up to that animal and you put your hands on it and you literally pressed down on it like you were transferring your burden to that animal. You were, and it symbolically meant that you were transferring your sin, my unintentional sin, the thing that I did that was against God's commandment, I am now transferring it to this animal. Because, you know, this animal is what? Going to die in that person's place. By all rights, the wages of sin is death. We all should die for every sin that we ever commit. But there was a sacrifice made. This sacrifice was either their bull their goat or their lamb, and they would present it and lay their hands on that animal's head and do it um, heavily, that that meant so much to them. This whole process and ritual was the fact that, hey, I don't have to die because God is going to accept this animal for me. Now, remember, we talked about that word Corbin last week. And that that meant um, to give of something. And we talked that sacrifices were Corbin, but it was not to be given with a sense of loss. Like, oh no, I am going to lose this lamb. I am going to lose this goat. Do you know what this goat could do for me? It was never that type of offering, or it should have never been that type of offering. And I think at this point for these people, it was not. They knew I should die for this, but this animal is going to die in my place and God is going to forgive me. So there was this sense of, um, of joy and this sense of happiness that even though this animal was going to have to die, I don't have to because this animal is taking my place. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, the preacher, um, the British preacher, he said, it means more than lightly placing the hand. It gives the idea of pressing hard upon the animal's head. They came each one and leaned upon the victim, loading him with their burden, signifying their acceptance of its substitution. 
their joy that the Lord would accept that victim in their stead. When they put the hands on the bullock, they made a confession of sin. They should be punished by God, but instead God would accept the substitute for their ignorance. Matthew Henry, which was a a, a old time, I don't remember what years he was around, but he was one of the uh, first uh, Bible commentators. You've probably heard his name. He has a huge Bible commentary that's been around for ever that people use. He said, he that laid his hand on the head of the beast thereby owned that he deserved to die himself and that it was God's great mercy that he was pleased to accept the offering of this beast to die for him. The Jewish writers themselves say that neither the sin offering was that it made atonement said that the sin offering did not make atonement except for those that repented and believed in it. It wasn't something that these people took lightly. Like I said, they probably watched that animal because they knew that there was a chance that they were going to have to offer that animal to God. So they watched it. They cared for it. They made sure that it stayed without spot or blemish. And then if it was needed, they joyfully took it to God because they knew that he would accept it in their stead. Here comes in your Bible verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What that verse is telling us is that God made Jesus to be sin for us. You know what Jesus was? He was that animal. He knew no sin. There was no blemish in him. That was that no blemish part of those animals. Jesus was the same. He didn't have sin. He knew no sin, but he became our sin that we might be made righteous through him. So that this whole ritual that they had of the sin offering, the young males and the young animals with no blemish represent Jesus. And the fact that they would go up to them and place their hands on them and transfer their sin to them is what we do with Jesus. When we acknowledge our sin, that there was something that we did You know what? Jesus takes that sin. He's like that animal that is then sacrificed. That sin transfers from us to Him and we're not punished for it. He takes that punishment for us. For He, God made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Does that make sense? Hmm? He was a sacrificial Yes, yes. So we've only gotten to step two. There were lots of other things. If you read and if you read in that chapter and studied this week, there were other things that were done after the animal is presented and after the hands were laid on it, then it was killed. And then what they did with it after that depended on 
who brought it and what it was. So we'll go more into that next week. We've just made it through the first couple of steps. But remember this, when, you, when something is brought to your mind that, hey, I might not have done that exactly right, that might be something that I need to ask God forgiveness for. We don't have to do this anymore. We don't have to care for an animal. We don't have to check for spots and blemishes. We don't have to present it to a priest. We don't have to do any of that. We can just go boldly before the throne and ask for forgiveness. And that's the whole thing is knowing that we need to repent, that we need to ask for forgiveness. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that we can look back in the Old Testament and we can see your process even then. Lord, that there was going to be a sacrifice. You made provision then with blood. <clears throat> you made provision with Christ as a sacrifice for us, Lord, that we can come before you and stand in righteousness when we ask for forgiveness, Lord. When we are truly repentant of what we've done, God, you accept Jesus' sacrifice and we're made righteous, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you had a plan from the very beginning, that you made uh, provisions that pointed towards the, that appointed time when Jesus would come and would be that final sacrifice, God. Help us to live, Lord, in that revelation, God, that we do not have to live under the burden of sin, but we can be forgiven, Lord, and we can live victorious. We thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings and your mercy and pray that you'll have your way here in this service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you are dismissed. <laughs>